0: Welcome to Oaken Bros. This is Eric. And I'm Michael. Before we start, I just want to say it would be so appreciated if you guys can subscribe, like, and uh, sh- uh, hit that bell notification. So we can so badly. Uh, We've fine, only Mike. done
1: this 5,000 times. It's Go fine. Go ahead, Eric. <laughs>
0: Actually, I'm kind of nervous. It will bring us more and interesting interviews uh, if you can help spread the love and uh, share our channel.
1: Speaking of interesting interviews, Eric, please introduce this gentleman right here. I I cannot believe we have him on the show. Today, we
0: have on Thomas DeLauer. Uh, He helps people optimize their body, brain, and business. Tom has over 2.3 million subscribers on YouTube and has developed a loyal following because of his amazing content. That's where I want to start, YouTube. So how did you post your first video. I mean, what, what made you go and do that? Or did you say, I want to be a YouTube personality?
2: (laughs) I definitely did not want to be a YouTube personality. That's uh, like a hundred percent the other direction from what I wanted to be. I've always kind of laughed at social media in a lot of ways because I just like, it just seems so inauthentic, at least a lot of what we see is, right? So my first video that went out on YouTube, I shoot, I think it was literally just to like store a video. It was like a recipe video or something that I just needed to store a video, house a video somewhere with no intent whatsoever. Um, I did get into the world that I'm in, in terms of creating content to sort of run the opposite direction from the sort of corporate black tie world that I was in before. I mean, it was kind of, it went from being very structured, told what to do, everything carved out for me to, you know what, no, I need to run the other direction and I need to be able to have a voice that's, that's heard Um, whether it's five people that want to hear it or 5 million people that want to hear it. I just need to almost just get it out. Uh, So a lot of my brand, if you want to call it, that was initially built on Facebook and YouTube sort of became a casualty of that probably because YouTube has a longer attention span for biochemistry and the stuff that I was talking about, whereas Facebook was much more of a scroll mentality. So just kind of naturally Went over to YouTube because that's where people were willing to give me the time, um, rather than just you know me doing a thirty second video explaining how to do something. I always feel like I needed to justify it.
0: So why did you get on Facebook to begin with? Was it ju- was it that you said you want to become an online personality?
2: Uh, sort of. I actually started with this old ebook called the uh, the Organic Total Body Reboot. That was like my first. I created an ebook and it was all surrounding the world of inflammation because I. That was near and dear to me. Before I ever really started talking about the ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting, which is a big portion of my lifestyle uh, and a big portion of my brand and my online persona, if you want to call it that, inflammation was at the root of it. I knew that if people could get a grasp on inflammation, whether it was via the ketogenic diet, fasting, (laughs) vegan, paleo, I don't care. However you can get a grasp on that, that is a big, big, big epicenter for just so many problems. So the organic total body reboot was, I, I mean, dare I say, it, it was kind of the wild west days of the internet where it, there was a lot less restriction on what you could put out there. You can't even talk about inflammation now without you know, videos getting kind of muddled. But it's, uh, so, so that's how it started. Was, okay. Well, so how what do, year was that? That would have been like 2015, 2015-ish. So it was, you know, I went through my transformation in like 2009, 2010, uh, which I guess we can talk about in a little bit more detail in a bit. But yeah, so this was still back when, you know, paid traffic on Facebook and and YouTube was a lot, I don't want to say easier, but it was just different. It was less crowded, less competitive. Uh, So I wanted to teach people, okay, how did Thomas go through his transformation? How does the inflammatory system work within the body? How does our immune system work? And from there, I think people just kind of caught on that, hey, I had a way of articulating complex subject matter that people enjoyed. And as a casualty of some of our paid traffic, uh, an organic brand started to be built. And it was shortly thereafter. I said, I don't even want to, you know, sling an ebook. I want to be able to actually just have my voice heard. And if people want to watch, then so be it. And that's a very abbreviated version of how the brand
1: was built. But you said that you went through a transformation in 09, right? So did you just, did you fall into keto? Did keto find you? How did that start? Were were you, were you anything before keto? Yeah, it's a good question. So I kind of give you
2: the full story. So I was an athlete in high school. I was in very good shape. I was an all-state rugby player. I was a cross-country runner. I was a track athlete. And I did a lot of running when I was younger. I ran my first marathon when I was literally 11 years old. And I did a lot of damage to my joints running at such a young age. I really did. So by the time that I was 17, 18, I was already having some pretty seriously debilitating knee injuries. I was really beating myself up. But Case in point, I was always kind of a go-getter, go 100 percent or nothing. Well, shortly after school, um, you know, go to college. Then I, you know, as I'm early in my career, I become uh, an executive recruiter and a physician recruiter in the healthcare world. And what that, for people that don't know what that is, basically what I would do was I was a headhunter. I would find executives and put them into uh, usually acute care and long-term acute care hospital settings. So I was placing CEOs in hospital settings and. Um, didn't have to do that for very long before I built a really established network of physicians. And once that happened, uh, I became a little bit more valuable in the sense of, okay, well, Thomas has a network. And anytime you have a network, you start becoming more desirable for other businesses. Then I got into sort of the private equity world with some companies that were at the time selling what are called ancillary lab services. So they were selling things like uh, salivary cortisol testing and things like that to uh, fee-for-service physicians. Complicated story basically means, you know, doctors that were working outside of the insurance continuum with concierge medicine uh, would utilize our services to be able to provide lab testing to their patients. Mm-hmm. Now, seeing that, I was able to see sort of an underbelly of the healthcare system. And I was really, really stressed out at that point in time. I was going through a lot and I don't want to diverge from what we we're talking about originally, but I got so focused on career, so focused on making money, so focused on that, that, you know, before I knew it in a little over a year's time, I was close to 300 pounds. So 300 pounds, oh stressed out, just focused on business. But the thing is, is I didn't.
0: Same, same by the way. Yeah. It's... Yes.
2: <laughs> I... No, I'm you just saying, I, era, I, I, right? was, I, I was, at,
0: I was at 280. Yeah. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I pushed about I was with 290, 291 was like the top number I ever saw. But I mean, I didn't even realize I was overweight at the time. That's kind of the interesting thing, and I know that a lot right. of people that are in that kind of go-getter mentality, you put the blinders on and you don't really realize anything else that's going on because what you're doing at that point in time, that's it. You know, that's you're not thinking about it. You don't look at take a step and look at things objectively at least until you're older. And I was so young, you know, my early twenties in my career, and I was just having a lot of success, having financial success. I thought that I was the coolest dude on earth because I was, you know, pulling in coin at that age. It didn't matter. I've been with my wife since high school. My, I was like, my wife's gonna love love me no matter what. Amazing, it's amazing. (laughs) So, anyhow, that's that's how the transformation, you know, really kicked in. It was no real solid call to action, other than the fact that I had a lot of really positive influences on my life in that spectrum, and took a couple people telling me, hey, you know, why are you you're so disciplined in this area of your life? Can you kind of like reel in your physical being a little bit? (laughs)
0: So I want to talk about keto briefly, um, sure. probably not briefly, but you know, that's near and dear to our heart too. When I was at right around the same time, you know, I said I have to do something, my thyroid got inflamed. So I, I figured, let me, let me go down the keto bandwidth, lost right around 80 to 90 pounds. And do you think keto
2: is right for everybody? Very good question. Uh, I mean, that is a very black and white question if you really get down to it. No, it's definitely not. You know, is vegan for everybody? No. Is you know, bread okay for everybody? You know, no. It's, there's always going to be someone out there that's not going to respond. However, I will say that when you look at the data, there's a very small percentage of people that don't have a good response to a ketogenic diet. It's usually just you know, they're not sticking to it or they're not doing it properly. Right.
1: Right. Um, dealing with Look, I mean, we're, we all deal with haters. I, I Eric and I are front and center for for all of youtubers and we see the hate that the carnivores give the vegans and what the vegans give the carnivores and how do you deal with haters because I'm sure that you have people you you go through the comments I mean people have to be taking jabs at you because you're a public figure you know you're 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 youtube famous how do you deal with that how do you deal with people saying your diet's wrong keto's not the right way my diet's the right way <laughs> How do you sleep? Honestly, (laughs) how do you sleep with that? Seriously?
2: No, it's, it's seriously terrible. It's, it's not, I wish that I could say that, Oh, I'm, it doesn't bother me. I mean, of course it bothers you, especially when my brand is my name and my face and my identity. So when someone comes at me with a, a jab, whether it's intended to be personal or not, it is personal and it's cutting right to the core of my identity. And the most frustrating part about it is they generally don't know my story they generally think that oh he's just some uh, you know fitness youtuber that just got lucky and they think that all influencers or all people that have online brands are just overnight successes that just you know caught some lucky streak so the funny thing is is and you guys watch my channel a lot is i think i do a pretty tremendous job of trying to be unbiased and actually looking at things objectively when it comes to that and really trying to say like, Hey, this isn't for everybody or this might work. Um
1: So food when food became a religion, food became yes. religion that yours is wrong and mine's right. And, and I'm scared that someone's going to get hurt one day that someone's yeah. going to be saying, no, this is the right way to do it. And you're going to, you're going to hear some traumatic experience that, you know, a carnivore did this or a vegan did this. It, it's, it's really like, I don't want to get all Rodney King, but like, can't we all just yeah. get along? Like if you, yeah. if vegan works for you, good preach your gospel. But if someone says, no, I believe that carnivore works for me or keto works for me or fasting works for me. Like good for you, man. Like don't, don't fight with people. You know, it's, that's what I believe. Yeah. You know, it's very, it's very dogmatic.
2: It's very, very dogmatic. It is. And it's, yes. um, you know, the world like nutrition, the hard part is that it is so, so nebulous with the research. Um, we live in an era now where, and we're seeing it in today's just society where everyone has the ability to be an expert in a matter of yes. a few minutes. <laughs> so hundred
0: yes. percent. Yes, Tom. And it's so, it's so like you hear one side of the argument makes perfect sense. Then you hear yeah. the other side of the argument. You're like, that makes amazing sense. So like, yeah. <laughs> how do you pick, yeah, you know, I it, guess you, you just pick what's good for you.
2: Well, and it's, it's crazy. So it's like you, you measure it to the likeness of, Um, Okay, Google, you could get an answer to anything at a non-academic level in a matter of seconds. So, okay, we typically will be driving down the road and we'll wonder a question and you can Google it and find an answer. So you have a rebuttal to anything there. However, what's really disturbing is that the academic world and the research world has become just as bad because there is an argument academically for everything. So if you wanna say keto is good, Sure, you can find research that says keto's good. If you want to find research that says keto's bad, you're absolutely 100%. going to find it. And then all of a sudden, anything that's anecdotal doesn't count because the anecdotal information is what really matters. And when you look yes. at yes. Um, you know how God. strategic forces and how the elite athletes look at things. Do you think that they're just preaching the gospel of what comes from a – do you think that an Olympic athlete, let's just hypothetically say, this Olympic athlete that is running a fast 100-meter dash, really fast, gold medalist, this isn't – I'm totally, purely hypothetical. I'm not speaking of any sprinter. Right, of course. Let's say that he discovers that if he eats potatoes, agave syrup, and cinnamon before he runs, that he just crushes it. But right. if you don't find an article to substantiate that, then he's wrong. If that works for him, who the heck right. cares? So is he wrong? And that's the problem is nutrition is so nebulous because what works for one person might not work for another. But then we also just get to lean on whoever's funding the studies. And if that study you know proves a point. Yes. Um, anyway, I could go on and on because I've actually no, –
1: this is amazing. <laughs> this, this, this is, is amazing. What we to yeah. talk about It's like we heard from, you know, listen, uh, I took my kids to Washington DC last year for a vacation at my wife and kids. And we went to the Smithsonian and there was a, um, there was a, a an exhibit that ha- in the 1950s that had doctors smoking cigarettes. And they were saying, you know, uh, nine out of 10 doctors agree that, you know, Winston is the right cigarette or whatever camels or whatever the case. And it's like, I, you know, and our father, our father passed away two years ago from smoking cigarettes. Um, you know, it's like things change. Yeah. You know, like yeah. so I think like, I, I think would... sugar is the new cigarette, right? Like, I think we could all three of us agree that sugar is yeah. the new cigarette. That sugar in the Coca Cola and in, in all the junk food, the processed stuff. Yeah, they're going to be showing the research further, mean, further down the road. This
0: yeah. leads me. You mentioned early on uh, about inflammation. And I believe there's a correlation between inflammation and allergy, and people have a lot of allergies that they don't know about. And we've been doing a lot of endpoint testing with our children and with ourselves, where we figure out at what level you are no longer allergic to that food, and then you try and desensitize yourself to it. Yeah. Do you, do you, are you on that same bandwagon with, with allergy testing and inflammation? Is there a correlation on those two subjects? Great question, Eric.
2: I think there's definitely a correlation. I feel like with an inflammatory response, a histamine response that's going to come from an allergen is still going to be an inflammatory response. I mean, you have a different immunoglobulin that's going to respond to different things. You know, you have IgM, you have IgA, IgE, all respond to different things in the body. Okay. So allergens are one category, but sensitivities to other foods can right. trigger another category. So you look at things like Alcat testing and these other allergy testings that they, they don't, they're not literally just looking at like a histamine response, like, oh, I'm allergic to rye or I'm allergic to buckwheat, or, you know, they're looking at like what happens to your immune system. So is there a link between the inflammation and absolutely because it is a secondary or really a first response, you know, to have the immune system activate. Um but then we there's broader pieces that we look at things too. Uh, if we want to get really granular with it, you know, the gut microbiome and how a certain food is going to affect the gut microbiome and the chain reaction that happens there because I'm a believer that a lot of what's happening in our lives in terms of how we respond to food is a direct result of what the bacteria in our gut are doing at a given point in time, um, which would imply that if you eat one food now, you might have a response. But if your gut biome shifts, you eat that food, it might be a different response.
0: 100%, 100%. I was on keto, then I went to carnivore, and I was on carnivore for four years. And eventually, it just stopped working for me. Yeah. And then I had to introduce sweet potato into my diet. And I'm like, oh, I feel better. Yep. So you know, I think that's. We what- also
1: went to we also went to an alternative doctor who took our bloods and said these are not great bloods. And he, I mean, he went down to, I, I came up positive from myelin sheath, like a, a yeah. I don't know what you call it. And I'm like, I, mean, I I I eat just meat, I eat meat, I'm the healthiest I've ever been. He's like, no, you have a you have a leaky gut. There's something yeah. wrong. Your your body's reacting to something. So he gave me colo. Uh, I know how you pronounce it. I call it colostrum. All right, us Long yeah. Islanders call it colostrum, but. Yeah. I went to your video because I'm telling you, I found you, Thomas, because when I had an ailment, I've been following you for over a year now. When I have an ailment, I type in your name with the ailment or the vitamin or, you know, the diet or the fasting. And I want to know what you say. Do do you read 24 seven? Like, do you sleep? Are you like, I know. How do you research? How do you research your, your, your superhuman? We get it. You're superhuman. Like Eric and I look like Pugsley and Wednesday Adams next to you. But like, (laughs) but like, (laughs) do you? You know, do you read 24 seven and how the hell do you retain this shit? <laughs> I think the, the retention comes with just
2: having, you know, a wide repository of information. But I think the rule number one is it has to be something that you're passionate about. I can't tell you how many times I start, you know, I will compile research or, and it's, it's. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, we've got a team now where it's like, if I find subject matter that I like, I will have my team find lots of research both directions, you know, supporting and unsupporting. And then it's my job to filter through the research and figure out, is this going to actually, would this end up being a, be a boring video? Like really? Cause there, there is right. that balance that I have to look at too. I mean, if, if I don't get retention on the videos, then, so there's a lot of things that I would love to talk about. Like, I would love to talk more about the microbiome. Nobody's going to fricking watch it. Like it really, there's going to be, there might be, you know, a couple dozen, you guys might be, but it's, I watch it, them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's people just, it's it's a tough so anyway there's right. the point is is filtering and distilling that down to things that i really am passionate about because that's how you truly retain information do you remember you know what was on multiple choice you know college tests i mean it, it, no but i do remember things that i took an interest in and so that's the number one thing is take an interest and then once you have an interest yeah then Outsource whatever you know. I, I, you know, a firm believer in investing in, in human capital, and you know, that's yep. that's the best way that you can put your money with anything. Absolutely, like it's absolutely they're an asset versus a resource. You're not depleting them, they're just you're going to elevate them, they're going to elevate you. So, I have built a team of people that enjoy doing what I do too, and I'm like, it's just an extension of me. So, I have people that are interested more in sort of the biochem side of, um, you know, muscle building versus and. That's how I'm able to assemble as much information as I am now. Um, and with that, you build such a good repository in terms of the fundamentals of biochemistry, the fundamentals mainly of what I'm into, which is like mitochondrial health and that metabolic flexibility piece. Um, you know, if you were to ask me a lot of questions about neuroscience, I mean, I don't know much there. I really do stick in my lane. It just mm-hmm. seems like there's a breadth of knowledge there because metabolic flexibility, mitochondrial health does kind of translate into all these different areas. But once you know how energy systems work within the body, it's not far-fetched to learn about these other things. And if you watch it up in my videos, you usually find the common denominators, you know, like, okay, he tends to come back to this school of thought. Right. Um, so do I read nonstop? I mean, I definitely spend a fair bit of my, I mean, I would probably say I spend Three hours a day, probably reading research. I mean, that's which isn't a huge amount, but it adds up when you do it every single day, plus when you're building and building and building. And one of the things that I've been proud of is having the stamina and the endurance that I do have on YouTube to create the same amount of content consistently and not not weaken and not drop off, even when there's haters present, even when you know, you're riding the storm when YouTube is not necessarily working in your favor algorithmically. I mean, it's just got to keep going. Yeah.
0: We're, we're, we're in that spot now where we're trying to break in and
1: it's, it's really hard, you know? So we to me, to me, YouTube, YouTube is a fortress and, and, and there's, there's a, there's a loose brick somewhere in that fortress and you have to go find that loose brick. And literally Eric and I are trying to find that loose brick. Now it's been working. We have a ton of friends and we have a ton of family and, but, we're still on you know, the friends and family stage. We're still on the friends and family stage, but we have a lot of you know. You are probably our biggest guest so far. Oh, he um, is a hundred percent. Yeah, 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 absolutely.
0: So who? So how many people do you have? How many people are on Tom Delauer? Are on Team Delauer?
1: Yeah, so that I I mean, came, came out wrong. <laughs> yeah, whatever.
0: You know what I'm trying to. <laughs> say. How many people are
1: on you, Tom? <laughs> Just one. My wife. Just one. <laughs> <Yes>. Exactly. <laughs> that's the right answer. Okay. <laughs> but that's awesome. Uh, so I have uh,
2: six full-time employees, and then I have another four, five contractors. So it's I mean, a decent. I mean, it's decent amazing.
0: Yeah. It's amazing to me that you can make a real business out of this. And I feel like, you know, you started out in the corporate world, but above all else, like you have to love to be doing what you're doing, right? Where
2: it's like, this has to be a passion for you. It's a passion because I love to self-experiment. And what is people think, Oh, Thomas, you love to do this because you love helping people. And that is, I, I have to be completely honest and fall on the sword. Like the helping people part is just a positive byproduct of this. I've always said is, I'm going to do this either way because I'm going to document what I do in terms of my self-experimentation. If you want to be along for the ride and it helps you, then heck yes, this is awesome. But it is always about trying to further science, trying to learn something new. And the fact that that motivates and inspires and educates people, that's just a positive byproduct. Uh, however, as time has gone on, as the channel has evolved and I see how my content has truly inspired and changed people's lives it's changed the dynamic of how I create content because now it's like, now it really is much more about, well, this is what people need and this is, so it's elevated beyond, you know, what can Thomas do in his self-experimentation, like self-fulfilling prophecy and it's turned into, okay, this is a naturally bigger objective to, to help people now. Um, so yes, there's a solid, solid passion in terms of seeing people's eyes light up when it just clicks. Yeah, uh, right. I I enjoy people's transformations. That is great, but it's kind of the old, if you teach a man to fish you know, versus give a man a fish, I could get anyone to lose weight. That's not that big of a challenge, but I want them to be able to, I want to see that spark in their eye when they start to understand what's working in their body and that's how they can make a change. So my goal is more about elevating people than it is transforming people. The transformation kind of comes later on.
1: When did the transformation change for you mentally when you realized you weren't that fat person anymore, that overweight person? Because that was a stigma for I think Eric specifically. Yeah, yeah. You you just you're so heavy for so long, and then you wake up and you look down and you're not heavy anymore. When was that change for you?
2: That's a good question. I would say it's hard to put an exact timestamp on it. And what makes it difficult is <laughs> difficult but also great, was that Again, I, I had my wife with me through thick and thin, literally. No and pun nothing, intended, yeah, right. N- nothing ever wavered. So it's like I never had this validation or this feedback that was really throwing it in my face because my wife was so awesome that she just loved me the same no matter what and never saw a change. So I, anything that I discovered as far as my transformation, as far as a change, was purely introspective. There was nothing, no feedback coming back because my wife wouldn't have told me. Like she would have insinuated that I need to get healthier, but she was going through her struggles herself and we kind of went through it together, but I digress. Mm -hmm. Um, I think once I started articulating and talking about my transformation is when it clicked. Because Mm -hmm. for me, I was the skinny guy. I was an athlete and then I got fat and then I lost weight again. So it was different for me because my mental transformation was much more about accepting the fact that I was becoming mentally weak and I needed to get stronger. How could someone that was so disciplined in one area of their life be so uh, have such a lack of discipline in another? So it was very frustrating for me when that point hit. Realize, okay, yes, clearly I have discipline, but I think what was lacking was my ability to, you know, put it in the in the right, in the right direction. You know. As, Taking your discipline and just trying to make money so, out of I mean, it is nothing.
1: It's very Anthony yeah. Robbins. It's very Anthony Robbins ish, where you have to kind of like I don't know if you've been through the Anthony Robbins program. I'm a huge Anthony Robbins guy, but he says you know if if you're doing amazing in your career but your your home life is lacking, or if you're doing amazing in your health but your career is lacking. It really is. You kind of got to get everything under control. I mean, you
0: know, like Michael and I, you know, our day job, we're, we're, we're successful business people and and we run, you know, a large business despite COVID and stuff like that. And we got our diet under control and, you know, muscles and looking the way you want to look has always been elusive, at least to me. What, like, what can a person do to stick to it? Because it seems like making money easy, you know, losing weight easy. Building well, muscle has, is 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 and we and had the way you want to look. We right. had the tra- we we did it, but it it never sticks. What yeah? What right. is it with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a physiological answer, and then there's sort of the the real, almost I don't want to say spiritual, but, re- but but real like subconscious answer, right? And that's making money to you guys comes naturally, uh, so that is something that just will always feel natural. Um, I've sort of felt that way too. I'm, you know, you may hate me for saying this, and YouTube may hate me for saying this, but I believe that capitalism is okay, sure. and yeah, if no. it's done positive and constructively. And I know there's a lot of people out there that don't feel that way, but um, that is a mindset, not necessarily capitalism, but that mindset Absolutely. we call it abundance mentality. Okay, yeah. so if you go into business with an abundance mentality, there's enough money to go around. It's not; it's there to grab. Um, it's not good, bad, or ugly. It's there to solve a problem. Um, so some people are, they have that subconsciously, and they also have that in how they were raised, whether they realize it or not. Um, so the same thing happens with the ability of your body. Now, I'm not saying that you can wake up one day and will yourself into the existence of having you know, amazing biceps. But from a young age, um, you establish sort of this foundation of that. Um, I am a firm believer, again, that the same attributes that make us successful in business are the same attributes that make us successful uh, with our bodies and with our health. That's incredible. That's the incredible. hard, the hard part is that you don't, whenever someone that is focused on business first, that they started down that route, I'm trying to make sure I don't butcher this. And then they decide to try to learn the health aspect or to try to get in shape the moment that they start to take energy away from their business and put it towards health they have a trepidation and they don't always realize it because they feel like they're neglecting their business 100% and, and that's how you're raised and that's how you have gotten your validation over time it's it's been like business making income generating income you know whatever that is how you get your validation so if you start pulling away from that because you're focusing even if you know it's for the greater good you're Taking away from that, and you're naturally going to start to take away from that and go back to what you know is natural and what and path of least resistance. And there's a saying that I will always I should get it tattooed, but it's called the you know it says the path of least resistance leads to crooked waters and crooked men. And if you naturally just let yourself go to that natural path of least resistance, you don't challenge yourself, you're going to run into that problem. So I'm making a point here, but the point is, you have to be 100 in everything that you do at that specific point in time. You cannot find balance. You cannot be 25% family man, 25% business, 25% health. Mm -hmm. You need to learn to be able to come to the present. And when you're focusing on your business, you're focusing on your business 100% of the time at that time. And when you're focusing on your health, and that means the nanosecond in which you're picking up the fork, that means the nanosecond in which you're picking up the dumbbell, you are 100% freaking there, period, period. Your mind is not in business your mind is not in family because at that nanosecond what is your focus and that does amazing things not only mentally but with neural pathways and the plasticity of your brain and ultimately how your body is going to respond um then the discipline just kind of comes naturally. So I don't
1: know if that makes any sense, but oh my god, that was amazing. No, it's, that that it's was a clip, awesome. right? That was the clip. That, that was unbelievable. <laughs> that was unbelievable. I mean that,
0: that's that's the key to existence and, and it's being a hundred percent where you need to be at that that at that very moment. I send, I
1: sense some spirituality there. Are you were there any like books about law of attraction? Cause I mean I I wrote I wrote like the book on law of attraction. I believe we believe in that stuff. Are you into that or you're more like into the science of it? No, no, I'm absolutely into that.
2: It's uh, I feel like science is uh, someone's going to take a clip from this and they're going to probably make a video specific about it. But I think that science is uh, science today is a joke because we're not yeah. we, we, we got away from we got away from expanding. We got away from the purpose of science is to always challenge your own hypothesis and to always grow. But now it's about serving an agenda. You know, and it's making
0: money, right? Yep.
2: Making money, serving the agenda, serving a purpose, winning a court battle, whatever. It's it's not about can we get to the moon? Uh, you know, can we get to Mars? Can we? It's it's not about that anymore. And it's, I don't know what it's going to take to get there. But the point is, is that that law of attraction. When you just god. you could go on and on, but it's it, oh my god, being able to be present. Um, I mean, who are who are we to think that? research that that we know everything there is to know about science and research And if you if you actually take a look i went down it's kind of funny like about a year ago i went down a like a quantum physics rabbit hole and i i stepped away from making sure i didn't put any of that content on youtube because people would just they think that thomas it would Lassen annihilate him.
1: you yeah, yeah they would yeah. annihilate you
2: but yeah. it, the point is is like that's kind of the way that i you have to look at things you really i mean there is a lot going on here and it's a lot more than just what is published in a
1: paper. I was not <laughs> planning on... I'm telling you, man. I wasn't planning on plugging the, my book. I wrote this book called Just Ask the Universe. All right. I'm, this book I wrote, it's 100 pages. It's still, after nine years, in the top 100 most read books on Amazon. Um, it has over 1,600 reviews. It has helped people all over the world develop the mindset that you were just talking about. To get the wife they want, to get the family they want, to get the business they want, to get the body they want. It really that mindset is everything. And when you say subconscious, that's what it's all about. When you program your subconscious mind for success and there's, there's a way of doing it, right? You can't just say, I want to be successful or I want to be rich or, you know, I want to have a million. Well, that's great. Everybody wants that. I want to have muscles. Right, right. Right. That's great. But you, you have to program it. You got to say before you go to bed, there's, there's, there's a science to that. And then it's actually taking action that propels you to getting the things you want. That's that's the secret. That's the science of getting rich. That's the power of your subconscious mind. I don't know if you've read these books, but these books are-
0: There's, there's a book that we recommend all the time to people and it's called The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace
1: Waddles. And and, and was... The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy. These it yep. was written over a hundred years ago. Have you read those, Tom?
2: I haven't read those. I mean, one, the one that actually I read at a very young age was uh, you know, Robert Cialdini. You know the magic of thinking big, right? That was like a lot unbelievable. more unbelievable. Yeah, that was, and that actually that set the tone for my life. That book, people right? yeah, me, like, like that. That book did change my life. Now, obviously, it's it's within the same ecosystem. It was just that was what I needed. I mean, the belief system. Uh, uh, Tony Hawk, perfect example, right? I mean, this has been talked about many times, but I mean, for right. for viewers and listeners, you know, the, does the ten eighty, and then next thing you know, in the subsequent weeks what is it? Four or five more people do it. I mean, it's like all of a sudden right. it's like no one could touch a 1080 and then Tony Hawk does it. And then like now the belief system is there. So all of a sudden, oh, it is doable. I mean, it's, we are capable of so much more than we are putting our, you know, putting out there. And it's, uh, yeah, it's wild. That's awesome. I mean, and speaking of law of attraction, right? I mean, this is like, I don't do many interviews. This is just, you guys sent me an email. It was pretty <laughs> random. And I just mm-hmm. was, like, yeah, actually, you know, this is kind of cool. And I think, actually, I mean, there's fundamentals there again, technical pieces. You were honest. You said, Hey, we have a small, small YouTube channel. We're just breaking in. There's something that's kind of cool about, you know, having interviews with people that aren't doing it just because they have a big channel and they need the content. It's more like, Hey, this is cool. These guys are starting out. It's awesome. So, I mean, speaking of law of attraction, it's like nothing compelled me to say yes or no. It was just kind of just felt natural. And sure, why not? <laughs> That's incredible. That's
0: awesome. You know, that just shows everyone that's listening that if you want to build things, you have to put yourself
1: out there. Literally, right. I was, I was, we were, we go to my, my mom.
0: Yeah, I, I, we, Michael and I are always having discussions. I'm like, Michael, I'm like, just we need someone, and we, I, we I've, need, we, we need people on the show. And so my, I,
1: I, follow you. I love your content. Your videos have defined my health exist, my health journey, and. I you know I would I would love to talk to you. I I know about you but I don't know everything and to have you here on the show first of all we're so grateful that you 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 allowed you know you came on for us and whether we get more subscribers or not the idea that you got friends for life right you we're, we're you're in like we're family now okay you, once you're in the family you're not getting out but you know it was literally the power of a cold call and and yeah. I can't stress this enough I've cold called for 20 years trying to build our family's business we own a global car service and I went, you know, I had to learn how to change the shocks. My dad wouldn't let me in the office until I knew how to change shocks and brakes and oil changes. And then I came in, and he's like, Well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to start calling people. And I started cold calling. And literally, it, that email that I sent you, you could have just like, Nah, you know, these guys are, you know, not how my many people or, have
0: we emailed that didn't respond? Yeah, that
1: didn't, but you yeah. did. And we are so grateful. That you came on the show, and who knows where this is going to end up?
2: Yeah, you know, no, who knows? It's it's that's what's awesome. And, and you know, I was like I mentioned before, I was a recruiter. That the essence of that business is dialing for dollars. I mean, it was just um, it doesn't take a rocket science to, to scientist, <laughs> someone that can even say <laughs> rocket scientist, but to to be a recruiter. But what right. you ultimately establish from it, it built my entire, paved my entire career. Yeah. Why? Because the power of putting yourself out there, getting on the phone with the CEO of a corporate healthcare system that has 10,000 employees and is looking, you're getting them at their most vulnerable point when they're wanting to make a career shift. You just, and then you put them in a position where they're making twice as much money, where they're feeling good. You just made a very good friend in a very high place. And from that, you learn. Now you can take advantage of that or you can soak it up. That is how I learned what I learned was by riding on the shoulders of giants. And how did I reach those giants? By not being afraid to pick up the damn phone. <laughs> and
1: Absolutely. It's
2: everything. The same thing that why I wasn't afraid to pick up that first weight, why I wasn't afraid to cut out that first carbohydrate. It's just, just, I don't know if you probably see it. I probably can't show it real well. Cause it's not going to show up, but um, anyway, I was going to show my tattoo. My tattoo is, No, let's Um, see it. If you could, I I I just don't know if it's my shirt's kind of, there we go. It's uh, yeah, you can't see it very well, but anyway, it says all that waits, the top, all that waits atop the hill is the top of the hill. And it's 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 about the journey. It's from from, from a Nike ad that the full quote said money doesn't wait atop the hill. Glory doesn't wait atop the hill. All that waits atop the hill is the damn top of the hill. In other words, just do it. And that's always been my approach is just,
1: just do it. Just, just like it's, it's, Take action, Ooh. man. It it, it yeah. the, the worst thing, the worst thing you could have said to us was, No, I'm not interested, or not even gotten back to us. Yeah. I I'm, I'm I'm a writer, right? I'm I'm a published author. Um, I've written over 20 books, I have full representation in the entertainment industry. And this is not about me, but real quick taking action. I wrote an entertainment attorney because I needed someone to read a contract, an entertainment contract, because somebody wanted to represent me, an agent wanted to represent me. And I wrote this woman because I read her name in a book, and I wrote her and she called me 2 seconds after I hit send. She says, "I would love to represent you." This woman, I don't want to say who, she, her son runs a studio. I call them the Illuminati because they're so like like they're so dialed into the entertainment industry and they they control everything. Um but if I never s- sent that email, I would still be struggling to find an agent today. This woman got me into different studios and different uh the industry. Literally the power of a cold call and being nice about it. Like I didn't write you saying, hello, Mr. DeLauer. My name is Mike Loken. I'm, I, I'm. Like, no, it's like, hey, dude, big fan of your show. My brother and I have a podcast. We own a business. We'd love to talk to you. Like, like, just get to the point already. Yep. 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 I, I It's so funny. This is old.
2: When I, the, way, the way I used to, you know, get CEOs to call me back was, you know, because again, <laughs> you learn in, in recruiting that the way you're going to reach these people is generally after hours, Uh, like generally, so first of all, you have to have some work ethic and you have to have some cojones to be able to sit, you know, or stand whatever at a desk after your typical hours, because the only time you're going to reach a busy CEO is generally at the end of their day when they maybe are in their office for five seconds and maybe just maybe they'll answer their phone. They usually don't, but you're dealing with the gatekeeper. Well, I would usually just be totally honest and casual and I would have a leave, leave a note or leave a message for someone to call me back. It was a matter of, hey, this is Thomas, I'm an annoying recruiter, but I actually just feel like I could use a chat. And you would be surprised, like my hit ratio was pretty darn good. You know, it was, yeah. I didn't, didn't want to lie. I mean, people would do all kinds of things. I mean, I, I tried the old, actually I did have, I did make one placement off of saying that I was somebody's scuba instructor. And that was how I was able to get the receptionist to push me through. I said, hey, this is his scuba instructor, it's urgent. <laughs> And he, he answered he, he called me back. Fake it till like, you make
1: it, man. Fake it yeah, till you he, make it. He called me back and he was like, that is the
2: best one I've ever heard. You know, what you got? Like, what do you what do yep. you pitch it? You know, but generally it's just being casual, being cool, and not trying to, you know, what I would say sell them a vacuum cleaner. You know, just like actually just exactly. Yeah.
0: speaking of speaking of like business,
2: because we're on that now.
0: I have a question. Are do you have a presence on LinkedIn?
2: I do, but I frankly don't do much with it. But I mean, this is all coming in, this is. I mean, I don't, again, I, I in the spirit of just going wherever the wind kind of takes us. I mean, mm-hmm. this whole thing since March has really just opened my eyes to, you know, more of what I want to do. You know, I want to, I want to help people be better people. I like talking to people about business. I like talking about changing the world. Health is one portion of that. Maybe this channel that I've been doing has been a portion of satisfying that itch, but, um, you know, getting out into more of that category and helping business people and helping people uh, and also helping myself in that process is a big direction of where I'm going. So yes, I do have a presence on LinkedIn. Um, don't do much with it now. I used to use the hell out of it because that was a massive recruiting tool for me. So I have a big right. link and then, a, you know, a bunch of random people that probably follow me because it's just, again, as a casualty byproduct of having a big channel.
0: I just wanna say there are a lot of influencers on there and there are health focused influencers um, and they're killing it. So I th- I think if you would give, if you would give, you LinkedIn, over. You if you would give over LinkedIn YouTube. like five seconds of your time, you would own it there. And for the record, LinkedIn is where the money is, like where the real money is. And people people are spending money on there. And the reason why we started our podcast was to relate better with our customers, right? So if you if you keep putting out content and you put out content then we're able to connect with them and they feel like they already know us this yeah. is just from our certain strategy where we have gotten multi-million dollar accounts from yep. LinkedIn because of our show because of the because of the content that we put out but man you would kill it in like you uh, already in own, like in like five own, seconds
1: you already own LinkedIn Tom you might as well own uh, you, you already <laughs> own YouTube you might as well own LinkedIn as well it's like yeah. monopoly right you're know, like yeah, I'll buy LinkedIn <laughs> You know, if anyone, if anyone lands it's on it, it's like huge, no, I own that
0: huge opportunity. And the and what's what's cool about it is it's where Facebook was with the organic reach. You remember, yeah. you were you you got in on you got in on oh, Facebook yeah. in 2015 when it was yeah. easier to grow organically. We're on there now, and it's freaking impossible.
1: I just joined yeah. Facebook one week ago. No BS. Yeah. I, I yeah. was anti social media for the longest time.
2: Yeah, Savior. You know, with with Facebook, it's a. I mean, this is again, take it for what it's worth. But Facebook is a great advertising medium if you're going to you know you it's a pay-to-play game
1: for sure period Yep. So yeah yeah, yeah what are your fa- what are your favorite videos to make what do you get jazzed about when your team comes back and go we have a we have a video on berberine are you <laughs> like yes let's do- <laughs> i just I've, I've been taking berberine now for i'd say about three months and i, I can't tell you how great i feel I'm, my my sugar dropped tremendously not like i had sugar is awesome yeah berberine is, it- is amazing I'd say, I mean, I really uh, my favorite
2: videos to make are ones when I really do learn something new. Uh, okay. That's kind of random, but you know, if I do learn something and you can see it again, watch enough of my videos, you'll be like, "Wow, Thomas is like hot on this. This is cool." Absolutely, um, that's usually the ones that I catch the most heat on because it's more abstract and it may not be go against the it may go against the grain of what I'm presently doing, and people automatically will assume that. I live the same way every single day and don't change a thing. And how dare I have a change of thought. Right. Right. Um, But when I do learn something new, it's, it it gets exciting. And I love getting on camera about that. But I do think that, um, from a fun perspective before all this craziness hit, I used to love doing the grocery hauls. Those were like my favorite ones to create because nothing, nothing staged, nothing at all. Um, you know, when I'm doing more, Detailed scientific videos. I'll have you know bullet points to make sure that I'm keeping the video under ten minutes, so I don't go on for half an hour. Uh, there's a cadence I want to follow to make sure I'm delivering right. Um, with the grocery haul videos, if I need to go for an hour, I'll go for an hour. But I also get a chance to flex my mental muscles, so to speak. People, when they watch those, they say, "Hey, wow, this guy is not scripted. Like he actually knows this crap because he's walking through a grocery store and telling me this stuff." Um, and I just get my rocks off and doing that. it's so much fun. And, uh, so do you but, do it as
0: often as you want to now? Well, because well, no, of COVID, I
2: mean, you well, can't it's, it's like, I, I mean, I can do it with a mask, but it's going to, you know, it's, right. so, yeah. so it's, so I'm kind of looking, okay, I guess I could go to the grocery store. I could grab a bunch of items and film them back in my house, but it's not the same. And I might still do that, but I mean, just cause it really is fun because there's a, uh, there's a consumer, a consumer appeal that people really like. People love to buy things, but they don't like to be sold, right? So it's when you are showing them opportunities of products that they could buy. I mean, again, and this is in a non-competitive um, way. I'm not paid to do this, but it's like if I go to the grocery store and I think that there's 20 products that are pretty awesome at Costco right now, and I bring it, people love to do that because it's like they're shopping. It's like watching HSN, but they're getting feedback on it. So people really like it. I really like it. Um, but I think the ones that I really like the most uh, are going to be the ones that are a lot more lifestyle oriented or a lot more um, kind of like how this conversation is going. You know, I do have those kind of things like where I filmed one recently that I got so into. I mean, if, I guess you could probably ask my videographers, like, what, are, what does Thomas get the most passionate about? But um, you know, being like the anger drive, I did, literally did a video on how it's okay to hate yourself. It's okay to not like yourself. Like this mm-hmm. whole world that we live in where you have to you're a beautiful everyone's a beautiful snowflake and it's no, it's okay to look in the mirror and hate what you see. It's okay to have anger drive. It's okay to have anger. It's an emotion. It's human. It's natural. It's okay to yep. look in the mirror and not like it because maybe that's what drives your change. So don't look in the mirror and pretend be honest with yourself. Anyway, so it's like when I get to actually talk that way, Um, it's just hard because as you'll probably find with the YouTube algorithm is it puts you in a bit of a box. And sometimes if you talk outside of that box, it's not like you don't get censored or the stuff that people talk about. It's not, it's not that it's more so you are algorithmically boxed in and you're trying to break out of that. So YouTube looks at it, you know, the algorithm looks at it and says, this is not the kind of stuff that his audience came here for. Right. But the good thing, the thing is, is that realistically a good portion of your audience probably does want to see that, but a computer is deciding for them. Right. And so it's a little bit disheartening because that's the kind of content I love to create. But um, but yeah, that's you, ever think, you
0: ever think about making a second channel?
2: Absolutely. So it's, it's in the works right now. So it's awesome. Yeah, it's that's that's how I'm, I'm learning when well, you look at the big channels. That's what they all do, right? Because as yeah. your as your channel gets really, really big, your uh, your reach stays decently high, but your engagement naturally drops. So you Mm -hmm. can't, because again, my audience was built from, I had much more engagement at, relatively speaking, at a half a million than I do at two and a half million. And that's simply because it's a lot easier to define an audience because that is people are coming to you for one specific reason and that niche audience is there. And then you reach critical mass where now I've got a wide variety of people watching my channel. So I can't, there's going to be every once in a while, when you have that one hot button topic that covers a large amount of that audience. But how many people come to my channel from fa- the fasting category that I absolutely right. despise keto? And they just get pissed off when I post keto content because they think I'm pushing an agenda and vice versa. Right. How dare I talk about a carbohydrate? So you get these, you get these little subcategories. Uh, so you see it's it's a common theme with bigger channels is they all run into that. And then they branch mm-hmm. off another channel. I mean, it's uh, so absolutely. I think a big piece for me is um, is parenting too? Is helping helping dads out? I have a passion to help dads out. I mean, I want to help moms too, for sure. But I I speak to dads. I really. you are instrumental in like, to, to but, me personally.
0: We're yeah. underrepresented, though. I think dads <laughs> yeah. get. Yes. I think that dad, dads get the short end of the stick. One hundred percent. Absolutely. And,
2: yep. You know, yeah.
0: it's 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 hard to it's hard to be a dad right now. I think
2: it's so and, hard to be a dad right now. I mean, it's and we're we're getting a we're getting a taste of. What it's like to be a stay-at-home mom at this? Not not saying that it's harder for us by all means. So you know, someone can cut this clip and say whatever they want. But right now, a lot of us are being stay-at-home dads and also still maintaining our businesses.
1: Absolutely.
2: Because as men, I can't. I'm downstairs in my office, my studio right now. I hear my wife upstairs. I hear I have a newborn or four-month-old. I hear her crying. Congratulations! And every fiber of my being wants to go up there and help. Because men were fixers, right? That's what we do. Our wives hate it, but it's it's what we do, and it's uh, so you can't help. You can set boundaries, but you can't help but still mentally want to be there. It's very difficult, and we are absolutely underserved because no one talks about it, it's no one talks about the stresses that we face and the emotional struggles that we face because it's typically masqueraded and it's typically just brushed another direction, but. Man, I mean it's 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 difficult. It's difficult when you have a newborn and your wife's attention is going to the baby and you know you're not getting
1: it as much. And no one wants yep. to talk about that because that makes them sound like a you know a big whiny, you know what? So I smell a new channel, Oak and Bros <laughs> and the Lauer dad talk, right? <laughs> Friday night dad talk with the Lauer and the Oak and Bros. Is there ever a time where you're like, I don't I don't even want to curse, but like, you know, F it and just pig out on cookies, cupcakes, and candy. <laughs> Seriously, that's a question I've always wanted to ask a RIP person. I know I, I, we followed the car, the low, um, the carb night solution. That was like one of the greatest five weeks of my life. Yeah.
0: Where like <laughs> until was, until Michael got gastritis, no, I got, from I got like gastritis.
1: Yeah, because I was allergic to half the foods I was eating. Well, not allergic, yeah. but I had an intolerance to the pumpkin pie I was eating. You know, on Friday nights, but Kiefer was amazing. He was great, but like. I couldn't keep up. I could, it just, yeah. it was impossible. Well, like, like we're not, you, like, yeah. we're not,
0: hold on a second. Like we're not like dedicated enough. Okay. We're going to eat the, the Twinkies ding dongs and ice cream, but then we're just going to go take a nap. We're not going to like go work out for three hours. to right. like use all of that. <laughs> That's just more of our stuff. You're
1: making us look like lazy fat <laughs> slob. Directly. Oh, like, I mean, Mike, come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like really and truly Thomas, is there ever a time where you're like, all right, I've had enough with the avocado salads. Just give me like a, a big Mac and a, and, and a double, you know large coke and some fries. No,
2: totally. No. I mean it's the okay. uh I just the no. one card the one okay. cardinal so, rule yeah. I I have is I just don't touch gluten, period. You know, and I'm not silly really? I'm not celiac. I just if I'm gonna have a cheat meal, that's my only rule. Just no gluten. I mean it's no just gluten. Uh, so yeah sugar's cheap. okay you're cool with sugar on a cheat I mean, meal? I'm, on a cheat meal yeah I mean again it's just it comes down to sustainability. It's like you okay. know it's how often am I doing it? Um I I have a lot I can my rules for cheat meals are generally Don't ever plan them. They should be somewhat impulsive, which sounds Mm. bad, but it's actually a good rule to have because you don't want to be creating uh, an association with food as a reward. That's the wrong mental sort of gateway to create. Yeah. So it's a lot of times for me, if we're going to do a cheat meal, it's a lot of times just kind of wake up that morning and be like, I feel like my, again, you get in touch with your body too. It's like, I feel like my body would respond well. And I feel like, I feel like it's time, you know, and, and so then it's, it just kind of happens that way. I don't wake up and immediately go eat cake, but at that point I'll say, yeah, tonight I'll probably go ahead and do a cheat were, meal. I'll were just you ever out.
0: like 20 minutes afterwards, be like, this was a huge mistake.
2: Oh, all the time. <laughs> all the time. I mean, in fact, a lot of times it is that way, just because again, things you can't control like sugar and the dopamine hit and the dopamine crash, you kind of feel like right. that invariably, you just feel like, oh, this was a mistake. But in reality, it makes me the next day just feel so recharged to just be on my game because I usually have little indicators like if I start feeling like I'm you know snacking on you know macadamia nuts or something like too much all of a sudden like I'm snacking so much or um, you know or we'll have um, like a little piece of something in the fridge and I'll start picking at it picking up little bits of carbs and I'm like I'm, I'm smart enough to know that like discipline will wane and come and go but there's also physiological cues like your body's pretty good at telling you like it, it, especially I've been keto for 10 years, I know when my body actually wants carbs and I could never do a video on that because people, I would sound like a crazy person, but I know when I don't, I do know when my body needs some carbs and it does tell me, you know, it's like, okay, I'm craving this really, really bad. There's no, no leading or lagging indicator to tell me that I'm craving this for any other reason, other than the fact that for whatever reason, my body wants it.
0: <laughs> right. So day in the life real quick, what'd you eat today?
2: And today where are you going to eat today? I have literally only had a, a pea protein shake today because I fasted until two. So oh um, so today is kind of an anomaly because I don't fast every day. So I usually fast two to four days per week, depending on what I'm doing. So today is a little bit of a weird day. So um, you're
0: not eating today
2: and- Well, I mean, I so broke my fast already. I had a protein shake. And then after I get off this call, um, I will probably go up and I have some leftover ground chicken that I cooked up yesterday and a little bit of spinach. I'll probably have that and probably put some coconut oil, a little avocado on that. That'll be sort of my meal for mid-afternoon. And then tonight we are, what are we doing? Oh, jicama tacos tonight. So we're making like, we've got jicama shell, tortilla shells made from jicama. Uh, sounds great. Grilled up a bunch of chicken last night on the Traeger. So I've got um, grilled chicken that's already good to go. Cut that up, some salsa, some cheese. Just
0: you know, cause away. like keto is just so, um, I think it's such a moderate diet. Like yeah, what, I mean, what, you, what you just said, like I don't see keto as being extreme at all.
2: No, no, yeah. it's, it's really not like that sound in that box, but yeah. No. <laughs> did you love so carnivore easy. when you did carnivore? Did you love it? I didn't feel good on carnivore and that's a perfect thing, really? to, but it again. I mean, I didn't give it enough time. So, and I, right. I, I was very clear with that. And I, I did it somewhat incorrectly because I followed it. Um, I had a hard time getting rid of old habits where like I was still utilizing like macadamia, nut oil and things like that. Because I, I'm like, I just can't, I can't in good faith feel like I'm not getting this fatty acid profile but. I was defeating the purpose, so it took me a few weeks into it. I ended up extending my whole like experiment with it because I'm like, okay, I need to actually. Usually, I don't eat fatty cuts of meat because usually on normal right. keto, I eat lean cuts of meat and I get my fats from different uh plant sources or just different sources in general, not necessarily plant. Because I am a big believer in the call it the fatome, like the microbiome. It's like the fatome. It's like we have this whole wide variety of fats that aren't discussed and they have different functions in the body and different hormonal properties. So I'm a big believer in getting specific ratios of fats. Um, But the one thing I had to, I didn't realize that, you know, with carnivore you're throwing all that out the window because you're allowing your body to sort of reestablish. Uh, So I started to feel really, really good. Um, But part of the problem that I had with it, and this is great for people that are losing weight was that I just, it just, just abolished my appetite. Um, to the point where I didn't even want to eat and I was losing muscle because I was just like, it felt like I was choking food down and I actually believe it or not have a fairly fast metabolism and I need to, it it takes me being sedentary and stressed, i.e. my old corporate life to actually put on weight. Um, and I lose muscle fast. So I have to eat a lot of protein and I just, I honestly, it was like, I don't think this is sustainable for me. I don't think I could eat three pounds of meat. Like, I I just don't know if I can do it. Um, so I started losing size and I felt like I was losing strength. Um, I felt good. My skin felt clear. My brain felt better than it probably had in a long time. Um, but I just, that comes
0: and goes with it though. I was on, I was, I was carnivore for four years. It comes and goes, it comes and goes. And finally it just, it just stopped working for me.
2: Yeah. That's again, it's that microbiome thing that we have to be yeah. switching it up. Like we have to, you know, and I, yeah. um, I go through periods of time where I come off of keto, you know, for a month or sometimes even longer, uh, and then go back just because it's just, it's all about keeping a balance there. Um, you don't have to be doing one thing. And once you are two doing, doing keto for a long time, you're so fat adapted, you get right back into it really quick. And the yep. fat adaptation benefits stay, even if you're not on keto full time. How often
1: do you work out per week?
2: Usually, I mean, I like to work out. So for me, I'd say six days per week, I'm actually doing something that I would call a workout, whether mm-hmm. it's weight training, whether it's hit, whether it's, uh, you know, long sustained cardio. And then one of the days is going to be more of a, you know, just. Active recovery, just going out for a walk. I mean, I'm active every day, but in terms of lifting, usually lifting four to five times per week. Uh, but recently, it's shifted a lot more towards more BFR, you know, blood flow restriction type work, where I'm actually, you know, only having to lift for 20 or 25 minutes, um, mm-hmm. and then follow that with usually some sprints, you know, something like that. That's incredible. I think with that,
0: Tom, thank you very much for coming on. I
1: can talk to you for another yeah, four hours, Tom. That's incredible, but we appreciate you coming on and. Um, tell everyone where they could find you and how they can get in touch with you.
2: Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty easy. I would just, I mean, just type my name in on YouTube, just Thomas DeLauer or thomasdeLauer.com. Uh, usually I tell people it's more about how you can avoid me versus find me, but, um, but yeah, just, just type in my name on YouTube or Google and and you'll be covered up with, with content. And like you said, that's exactly what I tell people to do. If you're interested in something from a nutritional perspective, just type in Thomas DeLauer, uh, you know, keto or Thomas DeLauer length of fast or whatever, just preface it's it. It's worked for name. me,
1: man. Yeah. It's, it's worked for me. And, and really you've been so instrumental in uh, my, you know, and Eric's journey too. We're, we're, we're Absolutely. grateful and, you know, keep up the, keep up the content, man, because you're helping a lot of people there. You know, we're, it, we're grateful. Hang on one second. Hang yeah. on one second. We're going to sign Like, up subscribe,
0: comment, yeah. and share. Uh, peace out everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Bye
1: everyone. Thanks. See you guys.